Join the party and spirits are playing in your city. God, we're so excited. Eric will be wearing his DMing glove the entire trip. I'm both worried and excited. Seven cities, 10 days at the end of March 2024. Your two favorite podcasts, Join the Party and Spirits, are performing live. We're playing games, rolling dice, making monsters, and a whole lot more. So come see us in Seattle at the Hereafter on March 21st. Minneapolis at Granada on March 22nd. Chicago at Reggie's on March 24th. Boston at the Rockwell on March 25th, New York City at Littlefield March 26th, Philly at City Winery March 27th, and D.C. at Atlas Brewworks on March 28th. Get your tickets right now at jointhepartypod.com slash live. That's jointhepartypod.com slash live. There you can see all the ticket links and find the city that works for you. When you're rolling the bones, your future is looking good. Join us. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is Janet Varney. Janet, you're a podcaster, actor, uh, comedian extraordinaire, and you're here to to think and talk about some spooky stories. Thank you for joining us. I'm so into it. I can't wait. Uh, Thanks for having me, and I can't wait to find out what we're going to get up to this episode. It is our pleasure and delight to have you here. I always like to ask when we have guests on for the Urban Legends episodes, did you have a hometown urban legend in your town growing up? That's a great question. Um, I, you know, the main one that was was very key for me as a young person was my fourth through sixth grade school was uh, was a magnet school. It was a bilingual school and it was in the beautiful Tucson, Arizona barrio. And there were a lot of uh, rumors about <laughs> you know, what the school used to be. Mm. Like people would say that it had used to be a hospital uh, without ever getting into like any more detail. Like there was never more, you know, it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, a mental health hospital. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a, you know, young mother's hospital. It was just a sort of general like it was a hospital. And uh, and they used to say that you could hear people crying when you flush the toilets in a certain girl's oh. room. Oh, hold on. Amanda has a story related to that. Go on. Uh huh. So in the bathroom at our office right now, uh, there it's not every flush, but it's maybe every five to ten flushes. Because <laughs> if it were consistent, I could get used to it and rationalize it away. But no, no, it is a uh, unpredictable number of times. There is what sounds simply like a person screaming every time you flush a toilet. Oh, so no. maybe the go- the ghost came from Tucson to New York for retirement. Usually it goes the other way. Yeah. It could be La Llorona that came up as well. Yes, like fair. it was maybe a child crying for some reason. It was maybe La Llorona. Like no one really knew. You know, now as an adult, I'm like, God, that was such a beautiful building. Like I wish I would have appreciated <laughs> how special it was then. But instead, I just fell into being afraid like every other child. Yep. Yep. That checks out. I also feel like when you tell a child a story about a place, oftentimes they just accept that. Yeah. So the fact that they were like, this is a hospital. And you were just like, that sounds true. Got (laughs) it. Cool. Let's move on. Did not ever hear that from an adult figure in my life, but (laughs) understood. A child told me must be true. 
no further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> exactly. That's incredible. Were there any shenanigans that you and your friends got up to at sleepovers or when hanging out in like spooky situations that you weren't supposed to be in? For Julie and me, a big one was Bloody Mary of chanting into the mirror. definitely Bloody Mary. Definitely Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary, for sure, like light as a feather, stiff as a board, like trying to lift people up. Mm -hmm. Ouija boards. I mean, I was very into... I. I would say it was a phase, but it was it it sort of continues to be a lifelong fascination and hope, like always ready, ready to be haunted, welcoming it in, assuming that I will somehow have a delightful connection with the spirit instead of uh, it being a scary situation, like somehow I'll be able to help him find peace. Yeah. And yet I've never I really haven't had, you know, anything I try to come up with that would be like, no, 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 no. I think maybe one time. Like, uh, you know, it's I don't really have anything significant. Otherwise, (laughs) I would be able to just like come up with, you know, here's the story I always tell. Instead, I'm like, I don't know, one time a cool breeze. (laughs) I was hoping, you know. Well, luckily, a lot of our listeners have some paranormal experience and stories that they have to tell. So why don't we get into it? Amanda, would you like to start or should I start? Julia, I would love to start because my first email today is all about a ghost haunting a school. So it couldn't be more perfect. So this comes from listener Rosie, she, her, and the email is titled The Janitor in a Red Flannel. First of all, I already okay. love this because some people call the listeners of my JV Club podcast janitors. So Aww. this is this is getting real. This sounds uh, scary and potentially evil, but I'm still super on board. Very cool. Our listeners are conspirators, so I, <laughs> I yeah. feel that in my heart of hearts. We did do That's a pretty it. sobering interview a couple weeks ago with Colin Dickey, who is writing a book or has written a book that is coming out soon about like the underbelly of conspiracies in American democracy. And I was like, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention in this interview that our listeners are called conspirators. <laughs> whoops, whoops, our bad. <laughs> it was fun. Off to Rosie's story. So Rosie writes. I'm a longtime listener and big fan of the show, and I would like to share a story from my small town in rural Illinois. Okay. I am a fifth grade teacher who is not originally from our town, so I didn't grow up hearing these town legends. But during my first year of teaching, I decided to host a scary story writing contest in my classroom for Halloween. Love it. Simply love it. A lot of times when teachers tend to do something like this, we get some wicked stories that come out of like the elementary schools and the high schools. So I'm very excited. For sure. And shout out to you for being a teacher, you rad badass person. It is a tough time to be a teacher right now, and we appreciate all the work that you're doing. Rosie is demonstrating leadership and creative thinking because she says, my goal in writing a story myself, which I needed to read to demonstrate to them what I wanted them to do, was to use the story to inspire my students to keep their areas cleaner. So I came up with a new old wives tale of a janitor named Tim. Uh Uh-oh. My story went... Once there was a janitor at our school named Tim. He loved our school so much. He was a very dedicated janitor, and he would clean the classrooms top to bottom every day. Then one day, Tim had a heart attack during his lunch break and unfortunately died. Very, very dark for fifth grade. I know. And to explain to a child what a heart attack is. Yeah. At least Rosie acknowledges that it was unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, right? 
Some say his fear, driven by his love for our school, came back to work anyway. Again, sounding like <laughs> hell to me, Kern Amanda, and continued his duty of keeping our classrooms in top shape. And it's said that Tim haunts the classrooms of students who don't clean up after themselves and put gum under the table. Mm. So we must put in the effort to keep our learning space clean. Okay. Now, the story went over well with my students, and it did become a bit in our classroom. If a drawer opened on its own or a paper fell off the wall, without fail, a student would shout, It's Tim! Okay. Okay. So a paper falling off the wall, I can accept. I'm already nervous about the drawer opening on its own. I don't know what's happening there. Rosie, that might be Tim. Yeah, it's a little concerning. Yeah. Our school was built in the early 1950s, like very like to serve baby boomers, you know, like post-war. And so it was all just like heavy wood stuff. Like Mm -hmm. those drawers never opened. And even if it was like a metal, you know, like art cabinet or like a teacher's desk, I think they kept that stuff locked up because there was like sharp and dangerous things in there. Yeah. Yeah. It was tough for a little child armed to try to pull those heavy wooden uh, shelves out. It was it was tough. Yes. But folks, this this story, like all good stories, takes a turn because Rosie continues This was all fun and games, of course, until I was discussing school ghosts with a custodian one day. Uh She explained that we do have a few school ghosts, but one of them in particular is spotted very frequently. (gasps) He's a tall, elderly man wearing a red flannel with a large, jingling key ring. (laughs) He likes to cause mischief and turn lights on and off and move things around. You know, typical spooky ghost behavior. When I asked her what she called him, she looked me in the eyes and said, oh, his name was Tim. No. Oh, Jesus. No. It turns out there actually was a janitor named Tim who worked for our school in the 80s and did unexpectedly pass away. And every day he liked to wear the same red flannel. No. Now, Janet, you say no. Does this delight you or does this frighten you? (laughs) I guess no is a pretty negative thing to keep uttering during someone's story. And yet I did it. The no just means, oh, my goodness. It's just my way of saying, oh, my goodness. My brain is trying it to solve the puzzle in all the logical ways it can. It's like, no, Rosie, mm. you heard someone talking about Tim, like in the back of a conversation, like in one of those Robert Altman movies where the real conversation's happening behind you. But you don't think you're paying attention, but you're recording everything and it's coming back out. But I, I, that may not be true at all. And maybe Tim was like, oh, and make his name Tim. Go, go ahead and write that down, T. <laughs> Just whispering in her ear. Yeah. yeah. Well, we love a logical explanation here on the show, especially for urban legends. So I, I appreciate that very much, Janet, that you're coming from this. Okay. Good. Also, we yell at our listeners for doing silly stuff yeah, all yeah. the time. So <laughs> full, full judgment you zone, saying no it. is definitely not a bad thing because I scream <laughs> no at them a lot. No, no, no. <laughs> Absolutely yeah, I do too. not. Oh, red flannel. There are two more corroborating stories uh, about high school and elementary school ghosts here. So one is in that same town in the high school. Uh, Rosie's friend was on the basketball team when he was a student and after a late night practice went to change in one of the locker rooms. There were only a few people in the building at the time, including the janitors, his coach, the principal and the teammates post game. My friend said he was the last one in the locker room and all his friends were waiting outside for him. As he was getting dressed, he heard the jingling of keys on a key ring. He looked up and saw a janitor he'd never recognized before in a red flannel. The janitor apologized and said he thought the locker room was empty. So the janitor left, my friend finished putting his shoes on, and when he walked out of the locker rooms, asked his teammates if they'd seen anyone come out ahead of him. They told him no, that he was the only one. Nope. <laughs> I love this just polite it's ghost that's like, oh, sorry, my bad. It's all kindly janitors who can't let go of cleaning. It's amazing. Yeah. Again, as an adult, dystopian nightmare <laughs> to, to keep working for no pay. Yeah. 
Okay, so what are we saying? That Tim is haunting multiple schools? Or are we saying that, that there's something peculiar about janitors that make them more inclined towards haunting? So I think depending on how like big the school district is, if it's a particularly small school district, they could have a janitorial staff that services all of the schools rather than just a single school. Okay. So maybe the ghost of Tim is not exclusive to one school or another, but perhaps the whole spectrum of schools. Yeah, he's not slacking off on his uh, his shifts here. Mm-hmm. But I just, I loved that idea that he he was like causing mischief. And then when he saw somebody, he's like, oh, my bad. And then uh, walked away. <laughs> Oops. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm also enjoying the idea of this being truly corroborative. <laughs> yes, yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. it's corroborated. It's corroborated, guys. <laughs> Yeah. He had a red flannel. What, what can I tell you? Yeah. I did, in fact, wear a red flannel today knowing I was starting uh, oh, with the story. I was going to ask. Go. I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Uh, yes. I am committed to uh, the bit and my work. It would be cool if I were accidentally wearing one. We'd be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So the final story here has to do with the attached elementary school, Julia. So more to go. your theory, perhaps mm-hmm. Rosie's school where she works uh, is attached to the high school. So this story happened late after parent-teacher conferences one evening. A haunted night already. We had to have an evening after parent-teacher conference. We had to. It's a perfect opportunity for a story like this. I love it. Absolutely. Imagine how late that day is for the teachers, though. They're arriving between what, like 7 and 7.30, depending on the district, and Mm -hmm. then they have to stay till like 8, 9, 10 p.m.? Yeah, that's late. That's a long day. This occurred around 8 as a colleague of mine stayed late to catch up on some grading. She told me the security lights outside her classroom kept turning on when its motion detector uh, activated at night, even though there was nobody else working on her hallway at that time. Creepy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It kept happening. She walked outside to investigate and see if a parent was still in the building, perhaps? She glanced into the gym to see if anyone was in there and saw a little boy in cowboy boots running up and down the bleachers. Oh, oh little child alert. Little little child, second ghost, second location. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. She turned her head to see if there were any parents around, but when she looked back, the boy had vanished. Other teachers, too, have reported hearing boot steps in the gym. Never heard of a boot step as opposed mm-hmm. to a footstep, but hey, <laughs> it, it is what it, that's what it is. It's the cowboy boots. They're projecting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the security lights on that hallway, but only that hallway, are often triggered in the school. Mm. Honestly, if I was a kid ghost, I'd probably want to haunt the school, too, because that's where kids make friends and have fun during the day. So it makes total sense for a kid ghost to want to be there. Kids are also, by the way, not allowed to run and play on the bleachers. So I imagine that's very tempting for a kid ghost. Well, what's going to happen to Amanda? He's not going to die. He's not going to hurt himself. <laughs> what's it's the perfect, worst Julia? that can happen? It's perfect. It's what? He tempts other ghost children to also play with no physical risk? Wonderful. The ghost janitor comes and waves his keys at him and says, don't do that. <laughs> I also like how specific the area that the child ghost is kind yeah. of uh, cordoned off to, <laughs> as opposed to Tim, who's like all over the place, just in different schools, <laughs> hanging out in locker rooms, having a great time. I mean, this is the thing. Rosie, I know you're speaking for your friend. I want to thank you for sharing your friend's story as well. Like, I'm always fascinated by people who have that specific of an experience because I feel like that, you know, if you haven't had that experience, when I hear that, I think my life would change forever. And I don't know, <laughs> ha- like, I, I guess it's fair to say if pressed, I don't know what I would do differently, but I feel like I feel like that would be like proof of, well, first of all, it's proof of life after death, but it would be like if you found out that there was proof of aliens, like, you would feel compelled to stop whatever you were doing in your life and just do something different 
just for the sole purpose of like marking the moment that you found out that everything was different than maybe what you thought. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. But if you just go back to teaching and you're just like, yeah, I fully saw a child in cowboy boots running around who then vanished. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Like, do you feel different, friend of Rosie? I hope you do. Do you make different choices, friend of Rosie, because you you have now seen this ghost child? You know what I mean? I feel like the problem is that it raises more questions than it answers. <laughs> and so now it's not like, oh, I know what path I need to go down because I've seen a ghost. It's now it's like, what what do I do with my life now that I've seen a ghost? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, there's no easy. It raises more questions. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. But Janet, one question we can answer is here on the show, we have a real kind of ongoing debate between a scenario where, let's say you're snuggled up in bed. It's the middle of the night. You wake up to a sudden noise. Is your instinct to investigate the noise or to roll over, pretend it's all fine and go back to sleep, hoping the noise resolves itself? Great question. Uh, I think maybe, well, you know, it gets into like dog territory because I have dogs. So Mm -hmm. it's very easy it's very easy to write off a sound. Assuming you can like check like, oh, everything seems fine. Yeah. Like if the dog's with you or something. I think yeah. I'm more inclined to stay in bed. Ah, uh, team right. ignorant. I see how it goes. <laughs> yes. I think I am. But again, it's because I have a built-in excuse for what might be happening, which is a dog wandering around at night. And and I guess I maybe perhaps have investigated that often enough to discover that it is in fact that, that uh, that I remain ignorant. Now, if it's outside the house, if it's if I can really tell it's outside, then I'm more inclined to get up, which is weird because, I mean, I guess it's not weird because you have dogs, but like you would think <laughs> that it would be more pressing to find out if something were even closer to you than outside the walls of the house. Yeah. But apparently I'm fine as long as they've made it inside. Now they're a member of the family. But if they're still outside, that warrants investigation. So if it's like, oh, the ghost is inside haunting the house, yeah. that's just that's my this new roommate This is just my now. life now. Yeah. 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 I'll accept it immediately. All right. Cool, cool. I like that. Amazing. Good to know. Well, uh, that that was Rosie's email. Thank you so much, Rosie. Wonderful. Thank you, Rosie. Rosie, great work. And we know, by the way, we know they make tiny sizes of cowboy boots. They're very mm-hmm. cute. So yeah. we're not limited by the possibility of that. We That's not called into question at all. Those are real cute little cowboy boots I've seen. Oh, yeah. Speaking of children's shoes, very quickly. So my mother-in-law is cleaning out a storage unit and has brought a couple of totes to store in our basement for the time being. And one of hey, the Julia. things that hey, she... Julia. That's never going to leave your house, I hope. Yeah, so. I know. I know <laughs> okay, it's not, okay. but it's fine. As long as you know. Quote, unquote, temporarily. Temporarily. Until she gets rid of them, but, uh, you uh-huh. know. So one of the bins, I opened it up because she's like, I'm going to, like, downsize them so I can take some more bins home with me. I'm like, great. Hopefully you actually do that. And I opened up one of them, and she had my brother-in-law's, like, baby shoes brassed like you know how they used to do like in the 60s -hmm. like just i'm just like it makes it seem like he died as a child really does when you keep these it makes it seem like he never got bigger than this and it's terrifying it's like my least favorite thing in my basement and i do have a trunk that i found locked in my attic from the previous owners in my basement as well so like that's saying something has that been explored at all oh yeah famously (laughs) <laughs> we'll retell the story for you, Janet, but we moved into a house. We bought it from the original owner's son after the original owners passed away. And he left like a lot of junk in here in areas that we didn't originally see. So mm-hmm. my husband goes up into the attic to kind of check things out. He's a building inspector. So like this is his thing. And so he's like, 
he has a bunch of weird stuff up here. Like there's old wooden skis and like half a surfboard. <sighs> there's also like a trunk up here. And I was like, what? He's like, oh, you know, there's a trunk. It's locked though. I'm like, does it seem like there's something like lifted up? Does it seem like there's something in it? He's like, no, it seems like it's empty. I'm like, well, yeah, Jake, because ghosts don't weigh anything. <laughs> and eventually we took it out of the attic. Uh, we attempted to open it. We actually did get it open, but we made sure we did it outside because worst case scenario, if we open it and a bunch of ghosts come out, they're not yeah. going to go back into the house. They can just like be released into the ether. So, yeah. Okay, but it was empty. It wasn't like full of feathers or something. No, it was empty, <laughs> except for, I assume, the ghost that floated away when we opened it. Yeah. You know what? You did that ghost a service. I feel like yeah. you're protected forevermore because they all talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And now you freed a ghost. So yeah. best thing you could have done. I, I super hope so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for retelling that. I appreciate it. Of course. It. No, I my pleasure. I would have gone back into the annals to uh, explore that. But I'm, I'm glad I got a quick answer. In it's always a fun one to retell. Me. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Speaking of logical answers and uh, stuff like that, Janet, a lot of our listeners, despite being like a supernatural themed podcast, are scientists. Mm -hmm. They they love the show for some reason. People who like work in laboratories and stuff like that love spirits. Awesome. And so I have a email from Morgan, she, her, which is titled Scientific Superstitions and Becoming a Conference Cryptid. Ooh. Okay. Now, Morgan had written in a little while ago and with a episode that we did called Hometown Logical Answers, which was basically urban legends that were solved and Love it. through logical answers, which is great. Mm -hmm. But Morgan continues, when I heard episode 307 with a listener claiming to be a lab ghost, I knew I had to share some researcher lore with you all. I am a researcher currently working on my PhD in neuroscience, and I've been in many labs at many universities over the years. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that scientists are some of the most superstitious people you'll ever meet. Wow. I know, right? We like to think of ourselves as fully logical people, but all scientists have their own rituals and folklore traditions that they follow, even if they don't identify it as such. I guess like an athlete or an artist, you know, you you have the thing that, that sure. seems like it works for you and, and you keep going. Janet, do you have any of those when you uh, go to record or perform? Great question. I don't think I think I don't know why I'm telling you every question you ask me is great. but um, <laughs> We appreciate it. But yeah, but th that almost sounds like when someone says to be perfectly honest and that you immediately wonder if they're lying. I'm I'm afraid oh, that sure. you think I think each question is garbage, <laughs> which I don't. I'm not that ritualistic. And when you're a theater kid, you do learn that you're supposed to be. Yes. And I think part of that, like sort of ongoing phase of being interested in that kind of stuff, but but certainly being at that like ripe adolescent girl age where it feels really important to be into like witchy stuff. Yes. I think I started defying those uh, superstitions on purpose, like as a sort of like, oh, come on. No, 13's my lucky number. No, I will walk <laughs> under this ladder. No, I will. I mean, I wasn't breaking mirrors, but <laughs> yeah, I think I was 
leaning on the side of like, would I have been the kid who was like, no, I will say Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. But I might have I might have done that. <laughs> but I was also concerned enough about how other people felt that I, I could see myself avoiding some of those. But like for personal ones. So I don't really have the sort of, you know, to make sure everything goes smoothly. I sort of find myself doing these things that aren't really directly connected to whatever, you know, to actually making something go smoothly. So I'm very interested yeah. in all this, Morgan. I'm fascinated by the idea of scientists being superstitious. That's uh, an incredibly beautiful uh, concept to me. Yeah. Well, Morgan is here to provide some of her favorite myths and traditions that are universal among researchers, starting with, of course, the lab ghost. So Morgan says, yes, I can confirm that every lab is haunted. (laughs) I like to think of the lab ghost as a house spirit similar to a brownie. If you're nice to them and they like you, they might watch over your experiments and help you find your favorite pen when it inevitably goes missing. But if you offend them for whatever reason, they'll make sure all of your samples are contaminated, your equipment breaks, and that your favorite pen stays lost. Because all animals can see ghosts, if you work in a lab with rats or mice, the lab ghost can be the key to your animals cooperating or doing the exact opposite of what you'd like them to do. Lab ghosts have been known to steal samples that definitely aren't just hiding in the back of the freezer somewhere. (laughs) There are a lot of random noises that happen in labs, and when I hear them, I like to think it's the lab ghost getting up to a little bit of mischief. I am so concerned. (laughs) About science now? (laughs) It is very deeply concerning to know that a hypothesis being tested for its factual credibility could be influenced by the paranormal has thrown Mm -hmm. my entire world into question. And I this is almost the extent this is almost like the equivalent of me seeing a ghost kid in cowboy boots. Like, I feel like I need to stop everything I'm doing as I do it now and change everything because that is a terrifying concept. <laughs> well, science is all about repetition, right? It's mm-hmm. it's scientifically valid if others can repeat your findings. So maybe just like other variables, perhaps scientists control for the <sighs> lab ghost variance. Mm-hmm. I hope you're right. Although it sounds like the ghosts themselves are so consistent lab to lab that that <laughs> might be part of the control. There you go. There you go. Mm, Maybe the ghost is our, yeah, like just random chance and things simply not going right and a convenient kind of place to say, well, you know, maybe let's try it again. Uh, And maybe that's the the kind of impetus for repetition, which leads to scientific discovery. I I really want to preserve my belief in the scientific method here. Yeah, you put a good, you should become (laughs) the official uh, public relations agent for for science, capital S. For science against ghosts. Yeah. Well, Amanda, bad news because the next one on the list Great. is the science gods. Great. Uh, okay, uh, so let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so the science gods may sound similar to lab ghosts, but they hold much more power over your experiments, grades, and future career. Praying to the science gods can ensure that your code runs smoothly, your hypothesis is correct, and your data is significant. Annoying the science ghosts can cause samples to disappear, rats to misbehave, and months of writer's block when your thesis is just around the corner. 
The science gods are finicky, and you never know what will please or displease them, so you must keep an eye out. If your experiments are suddenly starting to go wrong, you must retrace your steps because you surely angered the science gods and must atone. Typically, this is done by drinking away your sorrows and pouring one out in their name, which <laughs> most college student thing I've ever heard in yep. my life. I love it. I love it. I feel a little bit safer about the idea that the science god are are causing writer's block than I do the idea of them guiding or misguiding different results, including mm -hmm. animal behavior. Yeah. Uh, and I love the idea of just deciding that the best way to handle that is to get drunk and tell the gods your story. Morgan also says that some people get specific and make their own pantheons of science gods. And their favorite is sometimes they uplift famous scientists to the rank of gods, or often they create their own deities, such as the pipette god or the data <laughs> trinity. Which I think is adorable. Incredible. Super into the pipette god. Now, I have a couple more science superstitions and then the story of how Morgan became a conference cryptid. But how about we take a quick break and get a refill on our drinks? Great. Let's do it. Hello, hello. It is Amanda and welcome to The Refill, where we are so grateful to have a brand new patron to say hello to. Catherine, thank you for making space in your budget every month to support a podcast that hopefully brings you a lot of joy. If we bring you a fraction of the joy that you bring us by being a patron, I know we are doing our job. Thank you as well to our supporting producer level patrons, Alicia Ann, Brittany, Fruity Chick, Hannah, Jack Marie, Jane, Nieselkins, Lily, Matthew, Megan Moon, Nathan, Phil Fresh, Rico Like, Captain Jonathan, Malachi, Cosmos, Sarah, Scott, and Zazi, and our legend-level patrons, Ariana, Audra, Bex, Chibi-Yokai, Morgan, Sarah, Schmitty, and Bia Up Scotty. If you would like to be thanked by name or to have your name read out in every dang episode as a supporting producer or legend-level patron, you can join at patreon.com slash spiritspodcast. You can get all kinds of benefits for as little as four bucks a month, including show notes, recipe cards, ad-free episodes, custom tarot readings just for you from Julia, and tarot vibe checks every season. All that and more at patreon.com slash spirits podcast. Now, you know that we bring you a recommendation each week of something we are reading, watching, listening to, or just doing that we think y'all would enjoy. And I also played Dredge, which Julia recommended last week. Uh, it was incredible. Well, I watched my husband Eric Silver play it, but it was incredibly fun. And he included me in all his decisions, which I love to do. It's like watching a movie that I get to sort of control and respond to the things I ask it to do. It's awesome. But sort of total 180. I know both Julia and I have been working on our gardens recently. And something that had been holding me back from really being like an urban gardener here in my Brooklyn apartment was knowing that if I ever moved, it would be really difficult for me to move any raised beds. Like I have a roof, right? It's like it's it's all asphalt. There's nothing there. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to build a raised bed on my roof. And then my landlord is like, take it away or, you know, I have to move. And then I, you know, lose all this work and money that I put into it. So I recently discovered grow bags. These are like really specially formulated fabric bags that come in sizes from five gallons or less all the way up to like 500 gallons or more. And the great thing is if you ever need to move them, you can just pick them up and move them, put them on a dolly, whatever you need. And if you, again, need to put them away for the winter, you can like empty out the soil and sanitize it, dry it off, fold it up and it stores like any other kind of reusable tote. So highly recommend it. I'm growing some cucumbers and some flowers and some tomatoes this year and I'll keep you posted on how it goes. Grow bags, y'all. 
This week, if you could do just one thing to help spirits grow, it's to tell a friend about the show. And I know we say this a lot. Specifically, what you can do is pause the podcast, text someone or DM them or WhatsApp them and say, hi, I think you would really enjoy this podcast, Spirits, because, and then say a thing that is specific to them. Say, listen to an Urban Legend episode. It'll creep you out. Say, uh, listen to this episode on Bird Husbands. It's amazing. Say, listen to this, uh, you know, whole deep dive on Loki, who we know from pop culture, but do we really know him exactly? It is so helpful to us and helps us specifically to keep new folks coming into the podcast, sending new Urban Legends, recommending the show again to their friends, becoming patrons, listening to ads, all of the stuff that allows us to keep making the show as our jobs. So it is super, super helpful. Send them a link to your podcast app or to spiritspodcast.com. We appreciate it. And if you want more multitude content to catch up on, you've listened to all the episodes of Spirits and you're like, oh God, what do I do now? I have great news, which is that we make a weekly debate podcast featuring all of our hosts called Head, Heart, Gut. On the show, we take an iconic set of three items from pop culture or the world we live in each month and pit them against each other. In the first three weeks, each of our contestants presents their choice and answers a definitive survey of greatness that is the same for every contestant. And then in week four, we bring in a judge to have a formal structure debate on such topics as what is the best thing to do at an amusement park? What is the best color? <laughs> what is the best condiment? All kinds of amazing stuff. So we actually put together two months worth of Head Heart Gut that you can listen to for free. Just search for Head Heart Gut in your podcast player. Or if you want to go ahead and listen to years worth of Head Heart Gut, join the multi-crew at multicrew.com. Club this is another super important way to support Multitude and sustain the work we are doing, building community for podcasts and podcasters in this industry. So thank you to everyone who's already a member. And if not, check it out. I promise it's worth your while. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I know that I don't spend nearly as much time on myself in a given week as I do on all the other people who I'm trying to help and serve and make their lives better. But the thing is that if I spend all of my time on others and no time on myself, I end up not actually coming through for them in the way that I want, or maybe even, you know, making mistakes or doing things wrong or being kind of counterproductive and wasting energy and feeling bad about myself, honestly. And so when I talk to my therapist, one of the things that we focus on a lot is how I can make more time in my week to affirm myself and make myself feel good and just take time to do things that aren't for anyone but me. And I'm really glad that I do that. It makes me uncomfortable sometimes. And I think without that outside accountability of talking to a therapist about it, I just kind of wouldn't. So I am really grateful that for many years, especially during lockdown, when I couldn't see or find a therapist IRL, I had the ability to get therapy through BetterHelp. Basically, if you are thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a really good way to get started. It's entirely online, can fill out just a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And importantly, you can switch therapy for no additional charge at any time. So if you don't click, if you're not vibing, if you want to just see what something else would be like, you can do that really easily. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash spirits today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash spirits. We are also sponsored by a wonderful podcast called Unthinkable with Jay Akunzo. I really, really like Jay and this podcast because it really focuses on all of the creators that we admire and how exactly they do something that is so unique. When people make truly unique things, stuff that I'm like, wow, I never even knew I wanted this kind of content, but here I am and I'm really enjoying it. It's incredible. And there is a lot that goes on behind the scenes about what helps creators learn to do that, how 
how they can trust their intuition than just kind of trusting like what everyone else is doing or, you know, a roadmap they see others take. It's really complicated. And Jay does a really great job of teasing out what makes people different and what helps them to do the things they actually want to do when making creative stuff. So Unthinkable is all about trusting yourself more than best practices or what other people do. It's a wonderful podcast that I think you'd really enjoy. So go ahead and listen to Unthinkable with Jay Akunzo anywhere you get your podcasts or visit the link in our show notes for a starter pack of stories for new listeners. That's Unthinkable with Jay Akunzo. And finally, we are sponsored this week by Calm. If, like me, you find yourself kind of halfway doing a lot of things during the day, maybe you're like halfway listening to this podcast episode or you're like reading something on your phone that you realize you haven't taken in any of what it is that you've been reading, that can be a really good sign that you may benefit from some more moments of calm in your day. If you take a deep breath, if you sit with your eyes closed, if you try for a few moments, just think about yourself and your body and space and like what you need. It can be really hard. And it sounds so silly almost, at least I think that way, how taking that time to be calm and centered and with yourself can really, really benefit you. But it can be so difficult, which is why I personally really appreciate that I can use the Calm app with their guided meditations, sleep stories, and relaxing music tracks, plus daily movement sessions, which I'm really enjoying recently, to help improve the way you feel and kind of build up that ability to check in with yourself and take some breaks and learn some stuff during the day. And for listeners of the show, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash spirits. Go to calm.com slash spirits for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash spirits. And now let's get back to the show. We are back. And Janet, we always love to ask our guests what they have been enjoying drink-wise lately, whether that is cocktails, mocktails, tea, fancy coffee drinks. What's been uh, what's been your cup of tea lately? Well, I'm glad you said what's been your cup of tea because that is largely what I do drink at home <laughs> and during the day. Mm -hmm. As far as cocktails, I'm not a huge drinker at home, but mm -hmm. um, I was in surprisingly Waco, Texas uh, just a few weeks ago oh. and had the like the best mezcal cocktail I've ever had at Whoa. maybe one of the best, certainly one of the best Mexican restaurants I've ever been to. Some central uh, and coastal Mexican family that moved to Waco and is making just the most sublime food. And uh, it's a mezcaleria. So Ooh. there were a lot of uh, drinks to choose from. And, you know, I can't even remember. It was one of those where you sort of get it and it looks like this could go either way because it looks very pretty. Mm -hmm. And we all know that sometimes that's just, you know, it's like, look, it's for looks, it's not for taste. But it was as delicious as it looked and had some sort of little dried something in it Ooh. that I could have used one of our science friends who listens to this show to tell me what it was because <laughs> it was not tamarind. It was not a dried fruit that I had ever experienced before, but it was something that added like a delicious flavor and when Ooh. gently nibbled on was still unidentifiable. All right. All right. I I love anything mezcal as Amanda also loves everything mezcal. So that sounds perfect. But during the day, I have taken to drinking black tea with I'll brew a side of ginger peach black Ooh. tea because oh. I don't want all ginger peach tea. All that that's very strong. So mm -hmm. I've taken to like every Monday brewing one cup of that, putting it in a little bottle and then <laughs> adding like when I have tea in the morning, I'll add like 
because I usually drink it cold, mm-hmm. I'll add, you know, a splash or two. Sure. For the hint of ginger peach. Like cutting it a little bit, it's you know? It's ridiculous. I, my <laughs> partner says you can't ever enjoy anything the way it was made. You are constantly, again, shout out to our scientist friends, doing little, <laughs> quote, experiments in the kitchen where, you know, and I think it dates back to my grandpa who insisted on mixing cereals. He would never just oh. eat one type of cereal. He needed like two to three cereals in one bowl and I feel like that sort of infected me and now I do that with almost everything. <laughs> My husband is the same way with cereals. He loves combining like two different types. I like to... a mixed cereal. Yeah. I get it. I like mixing makeup like oh let me this is a great lipstick color. What would happen yes. if I added these two other colors that I'll never be able to duplicate? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Janet, I think you're always optimizing. Like Alec Thank Baldwin you. said, always be optimizing, never settle for the consumer packaged good and what it wants you to do. My husband's the same way. He's the first person I'd ever met who would like augment takeout with like the hot sauce he loves at home or like add the sprinkling of cheese when which like you know coming to say now sounds very normal and basic but at the time I was like whoa you can add (laughs) last night's like leftover you know uh, guacamole to like today's pizza oh my god (laughs) yeah you just everything you just said describes my almost every day so including guacamole and pizza so 100% on board fuck yeah dude so let's get back to some of the lab superstitions from Morgan Morgan mentions that there are the the normal superstitions, which is every time I or anyone else says something in the lab is going well, we all run to the nearest wood item and knock on it. Yeah. A classic. Once I opened an umbrella in the lab and someone screamed, afraid that I had doomed (laughs) them to a failed experiment. And everyone dropped their pipettes. (laughs) No! Scientists may say that they don't believe in quote-unquote silly superstitions, but if it could be the only thing standing between us and a Nobel Prize, we'll throw that salt over our shoulder and do the sign of the cross however many times it takes. Good. I love that. Understood. And then the final superstition that Morgan writes is, bosses are bad luck. All right. I'll agree with that. Yeah, I mean... We're all like that. Yeah. Morgan, like like a good conference talk, you've got me from the title. Like the title snagged me. I'm along. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So Morgan writes, some quick background. The person that most non-research people would identify as the boss of the lab is known as the PI, which stands for Principal Investigator. That's an extremely cool title. I really like that. Yes. Sometimes you can get in a weird spot where there's multiple PIs in a lab due to grants being strange, but usually there's only one PI and they're the one that hires people and does the big picture running of the lab. Most of the time, they're pretty hands-off, and when they choose to be hands-on, it's usually bad luck for the other lab members. Sometimes it's small, like the PI getting involved in your experiments likely means that they'll pick up something and put it back down somewhere it doesn't belong, because they're never in the lab and they don't know where it belongs to begin Mm -hmm. with. So not luck and competence, understood. Yes. Yep, (laughs) yep, yep. But other times, a PI walking behind you can mean the code that was working perfectly five minutes ago begins to fail. The data you swore was beautiful yesterday now looks like a mess, and the student you were mentoring who was doing perfectly is now messing up the whole experiment and you have to start over. I'm not sure what demon possesses you when you become the PI of a lab, but it's powerful enough to ruin a grad student's whole month just by walking past them. I would say it's, you know, authority, power, the tendency of power to corrupt, things like that. Yeah, yeah that's this is very I think this is this falls into the same. First of all, I, I, I believe it's real. Uh, and I do believe that it falls into a similar category, if not the same category as 
my car was making this sound until I took it into the shop or Mm -hmm. insert other thing that you experience many times by yourself. And then as soon as a person who can actually respond in some way about it, positive or negative, it ceases or some some version of that. I think that's really real. And I, I would extend that even to just if you're doing something with a coworker and you're trying to show them something and you're like, hold on, let me type. You're like, why can't I type anymore? Why yes. am I typing all cues? Like, what's happening to me? Why? <laughs> stop looking at me. Stop looking at me. I think those are all those are all factors at play. Yeah, I have the opposite problem. And it's a little bit of a joke in my household now, which is anytime my husband drives my car, he discovers something wrong with it. Like, I'll be driving it, like, one day, and, like, everything works fine, and then the next day he takes it out, and he's like, your windshield wipers don't work anymore. I'm like, what do you mean my windshield wipers <laughs> don't work anymore? They worked yesterday. He's like, no, I was driving. They just don't work anymore. The motor must have gone out. I'm like, it's because you decided to fuck with it, damn yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's him. That's his, He's yeah. bringing that in. He's bringing Yeah, that's in his energy. You shouldn't yeah. drive your car anymore. <laughs> Though, you know, we haven't explored yet, Julia. I don't think we've touched on car ghosts very often. We had a very memorable parking ghost, a family who would invoke a dead family member to help them find good parking. The parking angel, Amanda. The parking angel. Of course. <laughs> thank you. Just a flavor of ghost. Yes. yes. Different. Yeah. yeah. And I think he had a weird name like Trent. Like yeah. Trent something, yeah. Just angel. a very funny name. But Julia, perhaps you have a car spirit that you have a perfectly fine working relationship with, but they either want Jake's attention or don't love him being in their space. That's fair. I mean, a car is just another form of a horse. And we all know that horses have their preferences of riders. That's true. Janet. That is true. Fucking true. No one's ever said anything so smart on this podcast. Especially if you drive a Mustang. (laughs) All right. I've been Janet Barney, everybody. Thank you so much. You can find me in the lab Monday through Friday. (laughs) Just don't pour grain into your gas tank. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. All right, Julia, I got to hear about this this conference cryptid, though. Excellent. So Morgan goes, as a quick bonus story, I'd love to tell you about the time I became a conference cryptid. At science conferences, people always tell you to have business cards to help with networking, but those are boring and get thrown away 99% (laughs) of the time. True. True. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, it can be difficult to keep all the names straight with who said what and which names or with with which faces, etc. So I decided to get creative and ordered 200 individually wrapped worms on a string, if you know, you know, and made stickers with my website, field of study, social media handles, and a headshot to put on the wrappers. Wow. Then throughout the conference, I carried a bag of worms on a string and a sign that just said, free worms, just ask. Wow. Love it. This is the kind of creativity and innovation and humor that we want to see from our scientists and researchers. I love everything I'm hearing. I agree. Janet, I now feel great about the future of science if these are the millennial <laughs> yeah. scientists uh, bringing us into the future. Yes. Hell yeah. Worms on a string. <laughs> worms on a string. Anytime someone asked about my worms or asked for a business card or if I genuinely wanted to make a connection, I gave them a worm. Turns out, not only was this memorable, but it also turned me into a bit of a cryptid as well. Once I was at a bar and pulled out a worm to give to someone and they shouted, you're the one who's been handing out the worms. And then I was just swarmed by people asking for worms. Damn. Another person saw my sign and told me they'd been hit in the back of the head with a worm that someone (laughs) threw during a lecture, which I do not condone. (laughs) Pretty funny. 
Many older scientists began going around the conference asking people why, and the younger ones started seeking me out to try to get a worm. After the conference was over, I started getting DMs from people telling me that their lab mates had returned telling the tale of the quote-unquote worm girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will definitely be doing this again at the next conference I attend. Thank you so much for keeping me and my lab ghost company on late nights poring over experiments and data. Morgan. Morgan. My biggest concern in your life right now as your friend is I'm scared that when you go to the next conference, a bunch of people will have cribbed your idea. I'm genuinely scared Mm -hmm. that people are going to be like, here's this origami wasp that I Mm -hmm. can sail through the air, you know, at you and it'll land in your hair. And then there's a little tiny picture of the person who sent it. (laughs) And a little. (laughs) I'm nervous. I think as long as it's not a like beat for beat replication that's okay like i like the idea of just a bunch of weird bug (laughs) related things yeah being passed down at these conferences it's gonna be like halloween you're gonna have to have like your trick-or-treat yes contact bag for all the people that you meet but i i love the idea because it does feel like it feels like a reason even though it's like goofy and silly and great but it still feels like a lot of thought went into it and that you sort of can see morgan laying out the challenges like like mm-hmm. we heard in the email of business cards and being like okay and first i need to solve the it looks like everything else problem then i need to solve the who gave it to me problem and so all of those things are being checked off a list very systematically to then result in a very whimsical solution very scientifically one would say in- exactly Indeed. <laughs> this is simply good marketing it is from morgan and morgan said she is a a neurobiology student neuroscience yeah neuroscience getting her she's working on her dissertation right now Mm -hmm. yes godspeed to you science godspeed i should say because that's a lot of work my friend you're doing great. I think my only note here, Morgan, is um, A, I do see here a 200 pack of fuzzy worm toys Whoop. on Amazon for $34.99. So it is it is also economical, which I highly appreciate. I think if you were a worm scientist, this would be the best version of itself for me. But worms have brains, albeit small. So, I mean, it's possible. Maybe Morgan has an interest in worms. Maybe it's a gummy worm next time because people get Ooh. peckish while they're eating ah, and or while they're good. doing the, the while they're at the conference. And so there's some remnant that gets left over. That you can still hold on to that has your picture and stuff, but it also satisfies that, you know, little craving for maybe some low blood sugar stuff that you need a a quick boost. Maybe you staple a little bag onto the business card Mm. that has the the gummy worm inside of it. There we go. There we go. Love it. A tissue pack. That's what I often need most at a a conference. Mm, Maybe a little little tissue pack. This is good. Or maybe like the little tissues that I always think I want and then forget exist in the summer that you where you can just absorb all of your grease and sweat. The blotting paper. Mm -hmm. That's a nice moment right there. Good stuff. I miss those. I should get another pack of those. (laughs) See, you won't. (laughs) No, I probably won't. (laughs) You will never forget about it. You'll never remember until you wish you had them. And they'll be like, oh, my face is so greasy. And then I'll be like, I'll go buy them next time then totally forget exactly every time it's one of those items every time I follow a lot of like vintage resale Instagrams. Uh, Julia does as well. We really enable each other in this way. Yeah. And I did see one recently that had a writing desk and the seller demonstrated what a blotting pad would look like on the desk. And I just pictured a like Victorian person like face planting into the blotting pad. Yeah. <laughs> How handy. Love it. Oh, I love that. One use That's only amazing. or else your your visage does look back at you. But And you do have to get a new desk. It's they're all connected. Yep. So unfortunately, it's a bit of a waste. But mm-hmm. it's true. 
<laughs> oh, amazing. That's so funny. So, folks, to close out here today, I have a short story from Rose, they, them, called My Uncle's Haunted Plush, which I was worried about, but ended up being a deeply disturbing um, oh. uh, urban legend. So <laughs> I, was, I was also worried about, yeah. but for different reasons, I guess. <laughs> Beginning, Julia, with this sentence. Brace ourselves for mortality here. The year was 1992. My uncle was a child. No! <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're all going to need to take a one-year break. I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to take a lap <laughs> as we process this information. Take a lap. Like we said, Macbeth in the theater. We're going to have to take a lap shirtless like we did in high school. <laughs> okay. Wait. So Rose is like five right now. I know that's not how uncles work. I understand. Yeah. I understand that you can have an uncle who's younger than you even. Yes. Uh but this is already feels like a like a like a some sort of puzzle or like brain teaser. So I'm ready. It does. Yeah. It seems like a logic problem where we're it gonna seems have to like a logic solve problem. for X. Yeah. yeah. Doctor yeah. was their mother and you're sexist is the answer. Yes. Uh all right. It's nineteen ninety two. Uh Rose's uncle was a child and he had what was called a pet net. Okay. Is this a thing that either of you have heard of before? No, but I'm about to Google it and see. No, Julia, don't. Okay. The pet net is where he kept most of his stuffed animals. And it was a net that hung several feet above his bed. Oh, yes. Okay. I have. I remember this from also being a child in 1992. So <laughs> this mystifies me. Mm -hmm. You go to sleep under the trapped forms of your stuffed animal pals <laughs> suspended cute. above your reach? Is it? I mean, it's not much different than them sitting on a shelf above your bed, is it? But Julia, then I could rotate them out one by one. It feels like they just were walking along the ground and like yeah. triggered something that then yes. pulled them into the air and now they're in a fix. Like yes. a trap in yeah. the cartoon. Yeah, yes, okay. it does. So, Rose continued, there was no way for him to reach this net without assistance. And it's important to note that my mom raised my uncle. And even today, he sends her a Mother's Day card. Okay. So very cute. The uncle's older sister, Rose's mom. Okay. So that's why he was a child in 1992. And this is hopefully a full ass adult. Yes. One night when he was five, he woke up my mom, his sister, saying that it felt like there was stuffed animal dancing on his chest. Okay. Okay. I'm nervous. I know me too. My mom, being a very mature 10-year-old, didn't believe him and thought it was just his overactive imagination. Mm -hmm. But regardless, because she was nice, said she would go with him to his room and stay until he fell asleep. She tucked him in and laid down beside him, where after a few seconds, she too felt off. Mm -mm. She looked around and saw a stuffed animal wiggling its way out of the pet net. No. It um, fell onto the bed and started dancing on his chest. No! What? Uh, was it a kitten? So, Janet, great question. I, too, hoped it would be a real animal. Yeah. I thought at first raccoon or squirrel. That's worse. Uh, hopefully cat or dog. But maybe it's also, this is 1992. It wasn't quite Furby years yet. No. But it, I remember I had one of those, mm -hmm. um, like, rotating balls that also had a ferret attached to it. Maybe it's one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that, yes, something that has a button that you can trigger that makes it dance like a trout yes. in a CVS. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's a very specific reference for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Watching The Sopranos right now for the first time, it's also a very thematically appropriate uh, reference. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So my mom flipped her shit, grabbed the stuffed animal, and holding it at arm's distance, tried to take it to her parents, but it wiggled out of her hands in the hallway. See, I would... 
assuming when she grabs it, I assumed it would be <laughs> just throw <laughs> no, it. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm really impressed by the bravery of Rose's mom. This, this is ten year old. Yeah, serious. Whatever, however this ends, <laughs> Rose's mom is a hero. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a uh, movie with a flashback. We know that Rose's mom survives to have her own child, so that's good <laughs> at least. That's yes. that's heartening. All right, she didn't try to pick it back up after it wiggled out of her hands. Fair. Instead, just went and got her parents. By the time she got back to the stuffed animal where it had fallen with her parents now awake, it had moved down the hallway several feet. Her parents, not really believing her, but wanting to placate their kids, put tape around the stuffed animal and went to where the hallway was out of view for a couple minutes. So I think they mean like they taped the stuffed animal, you know, to the carpet or the wall or just taped it, you know, its limbs up, went away and then Came back to check on it. Oh, I pictured it like they just taped around it I so also they would know that. if it moved past, the, like like a salt circle for a demon. Oh, you're probably right, Julia. Well, that's not what I thought. We each oh, okay. thought something different. Ooh, look at that. I imagined it being taped up to keep it from moving, oh, which is no. just sort of another... Yes. Ex- that, that feels like a continuation of keeping your pets in a net or your, your stuffed <laughs> animals in a net. Like, it feels now like you've put a little gag on it. You've got it all taped up so it can't go anywhere. <laughs> you put it in a tiny jail yeah yes. um, you put it on some railroad tracks and uh, exactly. yeah, your yeah. mustache, Tore your mustache yeah. of course reading it now julie i think you're likely right that they sort of like you know sh- showed where the animal was so that they can then come back and be like see it didn't move mm-hmm. however by the time she went back to it with her parents it had moved another several feet there we go okay there we go yep and this by the way is also science and experimentation so there you go there's a so we line. think that ghost <laughs> so the last line of this email. We don't get a clean ending here, folks. Ugh, the worst. Rose says, my grandmother, doing one of the last sane things I've heard of her doing, Uh-oh. grabbed the plush, went to the backyard, and burned it right there. No, 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 no. That was our only evidence. I know. It's true. I know. Do you know what bothers me about this story? What, Julia? I don't know what type of animal or plush it was. That's what's bothering me. There's a lot. To, there's a lot to ask. I agree yeah. that that might not be. And I, based on the way that you uh, pose that, it sort of sounds like you know that there are maybe more important questions to ask. But <laughs> that is among them. That is among them. Yeah, this is not a situation where, you know, a Furby keeps talking after you take the battery out because there's some like residual power in the circuits, whatever. Classic indeed. Classic. Or, you know, a toy with a voice box. It gets kind of distorted or broken. <laughs> All these things we're used to. I frankly would be uh, amused and probably not read the story on the podcast if this was a bird or a cat that had made its way into the net. Yeah. But the combination of these two children fending for themselves, Rose being a uh, Generation Z or perhaps later, who nonetheless listens to this podcast. Uh, love you, Rose. Thank you for listening. You're helping our statistics look robust as a bell curve. <laughs> Good God, this this is going to stick with me. This, this stuffed animal moving Many times. Yeah, I was going to say, because we end thinking about it wriggling along the floor, which is, of course, terrifying. Yes. We need to revisit dancing on their chests. Yeah. What are we saying here? Yeah. Yep. And not just on the chest of Rose's uncle, but on Rose's mom as well. Yeah. This is is replicable. This is science, people. This happened again. Multiple witnesses. We had tape. We measured it. My my issue is, and again, I'm 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 circling back just to the imagery of it. Is it like a teddy bear and it was doing like a little like dance dance? What kind of dancing? That's important. That is important. Based on what its limbs are like. Yes. Right. And then we're talking about it squirming, which is scarier. It makes me think of like something longer limbs, bodied, right. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
The fact that I don't know what kind of animal or plush it is makes it scarier in my mind. It's not okay. It's not okay. It is more scary. And the question also is, was Rose told? Did Rose? Where was the omission? Did Rose decide that they would omit this Mm. and they know? Or did mom, like, was that never part of the story? And all of a sudden Rose is like, oh, my gosh, she never did tell me what it is. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's just one of those things where it was so traumatic, you kind of block the imagery out of your mind. And you're like, I don't remember what kind of animal it was. It was just scary and gross. I don't know how that's not burned in your brain for all yeah. time. But the yeah. brain is an interesting uh, muscle. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's decide together what would be the scariest version mm, of a plush question. to for us to fan cast here. <sighs> Yeah, like a fuzzy snake, I guess, would be pretty bad, right? How would that, would that dancing, though, Julia, look uh, humorous? Dancing. Perhaps that might undercut it. Hmm. Hmm. Dancing feels like there are multiple limbs so that different parts of it are touching you at different times. That being said, the snake could just be sort of bouncing different parts of its body in a dance-like way. So it doesn't rule it out. Might be literally doing the worm. (laughs) It might be doing the worm. Possible. Shout out to Worm Girl. Yeah, shout out to Worm Girl. I was thinking perhaps a goat, because I think the sensation of little hooves on your chest would be pretty (laughs) a lot. But also, you look up close, goat's got those fucked up eyes what go sideways. I know, but as soon as you said tiny hooves, it sounded cute to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, all right. Fair. That's fair. Maybe a snowshoe hair. I had a stuffed animal of a snowshoe hair growing up. Long. Okay. Also scary rabbit eyes. Creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to go just to go to some of the classics and imagine Mm. like a little clown doll. I mean, that's. (laughs) Oh, Julia is not pleased with that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's got to be high on my list. I I just think I'm trying to think of something that would be worse than that. That feels bad. (laughs) Yep. That. Yes, that is bad. I'm not. Not a fan of that at all. Unlike little goat hooves. But like, oddly, you know, a little goat kind of satanic kind of makes sense for that to be, you know, like possessed by some weird ghost thing and and then move across the floor. And ultimately, as we leave the story, burnt into a pile of ash. Yeah. Yeah. But. To your point, I think, Julia, like once you once you take it like it has to be something can dance on the chest, Mm. but also isn't like standing up and moving Mm. in a non sort of wriggly way. The way it's described, once it leaves the chest, (laughs) maybe this is like alien where it's like uh, it it becomes different things depending on its lifetime and, uh, and, and its span. So maybe it started out as something with legs that was dancing and then it oozed into something that then didn't have those legs and had to wriggle and squirm. <laughs> now I'm picturing John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Almost terrifying. There you go. That's probably yeah. got hooves and teeth and clowns and all kinds of stuff mixed in. It's got all the things. Yeah. yeah. And as you burn it, it shapeshifts between many, many forms before sort of, yeah. you know, becoming perhaps a moth or a bird and flying away. Maybe the spirit is loose. We don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Horrifying, Amanda. Thank you for that. You're we could welcome. have just been like, the evil's dead here, but you're like, no, turn into a moth and flew away to haunt another child. <laughs> Julia, so just like just like Janet, always be optimizing. <laughs> Mine is always be franchising. That's my thing. Uh, How can I make course. every urban legend we get? And people do check a text box that is legally blind, uh, binding that says, maybe read your message on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, they said, yes, I'm going to franchise this ish. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Whew, I'm I am I'm troubled. I'm troubled. You're welcome. (laughs) That's the spirit's promise. (laughs) And Janet, if folks would like to follow along with you and your work and your fabulous podcasts, where can they find out more about your stuff online? 
I mean, you can go to Instagram and I wouldn't encourage you to sit there until I post because you will go without food and sleep for quite some time. <laughs> but certainly you can go there. At, that's at The JV Club, like the name of my podcast, The JV Club, on Twitter, where I still am just sort of like, you know, not with a bang, but a whimpering mm -hmm. uh, kind of just existing, waiting for my blue check to disappear and very comfortable with that at Janet Varney. And uh, yeah, the JV Club, I talked to people about their awkward teenage years. Uh, Amanda has been on recently. It was a fabulous conversation. People really loved it and gave great feedback. Julie, I'm coming for you next. Um, yes. And uh, I hopefully you'll have some some teenage ghost stories uh, you, that you can pretend are your own, even if. Oh, I, I have one. OK, good. It'll be a it'll be a true crossover. Yeah. Listeners of the show know the story of the man with the trench coat and the hat and the dog. So they're all okay, familiar with a good one. Right. A recurring character on the show, I would say. And I'd love to hear from people on social media what kind of stuffed animal they think would make the most sense. It could be together or apart what you'd be most afraid of. And if you're going to share those, please don't tag Janet in any particularly scary images. Uh, I know you guys like to do that to me sometimes. And that's fine. <laughs> I can handle it. I feel like I can handle it. Now I want right. to see what people come up with. I feel like I can handle it. I just it. didn't want to subject you to that if you weren't down for it. I appreciate it. It had the uh, reverse psychology effect where now I'm like, <laughs> bring it on. Bring it. I want to see the long Furby. Give me the long yes. Furby. <laughs> oh. Amazing. Leaving the image of long Furby be in your minds. Remember, listeners, stay creepy. Stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us in your urban legends and your advice from folklore questions at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, for all kinds of behind-the-scenes goodies. Just a dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more, like recipe cards, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic, for every single episode, director's commentaries, real physical gifts, and more. We are a founding member of Multitude, an independent podcast collective and production studio. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. Above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please text one friend about us. That's the very best way to help keep us growing. Thanks for listening to Spirits. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.